Welcome to Cut Out the Crazy with Beretta Fleur, a podcast that invites you to elevate your life experience through improving your relationships, personal growth, and career. Find more content, including free coaching videos, emails, and a free assessment quiz on BerettaFleur.com. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Cut Out the Crazy with Beretta Fleur. I'm your host, Beretta Fleur. I'm an author, podcaster, and confidence coach, helping people just like you lead happier, healthier, more fulfilling lives. And I do that through coaching, content, and storytelling. So good to be here with you today. I hope you're good wherever you are. Today's episode is on decluttering and organizing, finding space and serenity inside your home. And normally this would be great video content and I might do some videos on it and you can find those on BerettaFleur.com or on YouTube.com slash BerettaFleur as well as on TikTok at BerettaFleur. But I wanted to take this podcast and sit with you and examine what are the motivations and the habits we have when we're dealing with a cluttered, disorganized home and lifestyle. So whether you're living in an apartment or if you have a house or whatever your living situation is, you can always simplify it and that can lead to just a better, less stressful life experience. Financially, it creates a better picture for you as well. So first, I want to examine the motivations and habits behind why we have a cluttered lifestyle or why we can't minimalize. And then I want to go over a couple habits and helpful tips to help you improve step-by-step over the course of a month or two your life. And hopefully those will be sticking with you and you can over time create a more functional, streamlined, less cluttered household. Okay, so let's get started. So we have a history and a background in the United States, um, where I am, of applauding consumerism and consumer culture. We're very comfortable with living a disposable lifestyle and harnessing instant gratification, and that can even be worldwide. And I'm not here to say that consumerism and buying things is bad. I live in this society with you. I don't think it's terrible. That's not the angle of this podcast at all. But I do want to bring that awareness to you when you're making your purchases, when you're buying things other than the day-to-day necessities such as groceries and food so that we can, as a whole, just be more mindful of the things that we bring into our home and be more mindful about how we bring those things into our homes and how we use the space that we probably pay for to live in, correct? Because part of being financially responsible is making the use of your space as well as being responsible with your finances and not trying to do too many crazy instant gratification, spontaneous spur-of-the-moment purchases and be more intentional about where you spend your money and what you spend it on. Buying and keeping useful or beautiful things is fine, As long as those things don't end up running your life and taking more time to maintain, clean, and organize. So let's delve into a little exercise and figure out how we can downsize and minimize this cycle and create new habits that serve us better. (laughs) 
For this exercise, you're going to want to get a pen and pad if you can. That's gonna help you stay organized through this exercise. So if you wanna pause this, or if you wanna pull up the notes feature on your phone. Okay, so think of all the rooms in your house or areas of your home. If you live in an apartment, it could be maybe you have a certain area for sleeping, another area for eating, another smaller areas for storage. Or if you have a larger home, that could be guest rooms, kids' rooms, closets. Just kind of picture all the different parts of the house that you have. And if you want to write them down or draw a little diagram, that's fine too. Next, I want you to list one to three rooms or areas that just have way too much stuff or many multiples of items because these are going to be your target areas first. This could be the kitchen or maybe the garage or the attic or a linen closet or it could be the kids rooms, a spare room or your master closet. Maybe a piece of furniture that you kind of shove everything onto and into. So whatever it is, it's kind of making you a little bit crazy in your home. List one to three rooms or areas where that's happening. And if you have more than three, just pick the three worst. Okay, so the next thing I'd like you to do is list out your buying and purchasing schedule or habits every month. And this is going to take a little bit of digging maybe. So besides the groceries and maybe the supplies for education, necessary needs, what and where are you buying from? Are you spending money on clothes? Or are you buying craft or decor items, gadgets, tech, maybe makeup, maybe beauty products? What is it that you're spending money on? And you can even look at your bank statements, credit cards, statements or online purchases history, maybe if you're an Amazon shopper, just to see where you're spending if you don't know. And I just want you to take a, a hot minute and go through your purchasing history of the last month. Anything that wasn't groceries, where are you spending your money? As far as buying things. Okay, so now that you have done this exercise, let's go into, we're going to tackle this in a twofold manner. First, we're going to set you up to declutter over the next one to two months by setting up a system and making up a few rules or new habits, if you don't like the term rules, that I ask you to try out for one month or two. Two is ideal, but one is better than nothing. So that's the first part. We're going to set you up with a new sort of habits system to follow. Second, we're going to change how you bring new items into your home so that you can hopefully lessen that inflow of items and also live more financially responsibly by making the most of your home and maybe spending money more wisely and more intentionally. So let's move into the first part. Okay, so first, this is what I want you to do. The next time you have a couple hours off in the next coming week or so, I want you to plan to get some cardboard boxes, trash bags, or maybe some unused storage bins and set them out in an area of your house where it's okay for them to stay for maybe one, maybe even two months. So maybe a spare room or a closet or a corner of your bedroom. Just kind of acknowledge that, okay, those are going to be there for a few weeks and kind of make peace with that. So those are going to be your donate bins and you are going to be filling them up over the next several weeks. I'm not going to make you sit down and declutter your entire home because really 
you're going to have to take some time and figure out what you're using and what you're not using and what is kind of excess in your home. Make your family aware if you have kids or a partner, maybe they can each start one in their own rooms, but just make them aware that if there's something that they find that they come across in the next few weeks that they don't really use, there's a place where they can put it. And make everybody aware in the household because the more people in your household you have on board with this, the better it's going to be. And you don't want to have to make changes inside your own self and then fight with people in the home about what's going on. So the first step that I want you to watch out for over the next one to two months to put into this donate bin is you're going to emit multiples. So besides things like different size pots or pans or maybe different color shirts or undergarments or towels that you use frequently and bedding that gets changed frequently, if you have multiples of items or sets of items over what would be considered useful to you, Probably with sheets, I would say for each bed, at least have two sheets, maybe three. But anything beyond that, maybe like mismatched linens, things of that nature, try to spend the next month putting them into the donate bin as you discover them. Same with like plates. So if there are four people in your home, try scaling back to say eight plates total and get rid of the rest. You might have some extras for when you have company over. You might have some special, special heirlooms. Now, I'm not talking about getting rid of things that you can pass on, such as maybe your wedding dress or art or things that you have in your home that would likely last more than one generation. If you have grandma's china pattern that she passed down to you on your wedding, don't give that up. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about those day-to-day things that you could easily replace by going to any big box store or even thrift store. Maybe you have like four spatulas, take it down to two. And keep in mind with this, the less you have, the less you have to launder, clean, put away, and keep track of. So anytime you want to hang on to something that's pretty replaceable, you have multiples of it, think to yourself, this is one less thing I have to take care of or clean or pack if we move or unpack, you know? So try to think of it that way. This is the reason why a lot of people get rid of a ton of stuff when they move. They don't want to move it. So save yourself that step (laughs) further down the road and save yourself a little bit of housework. Save your family a little bit of housework if you're not the one that does the cleaning. And just think, I don't need to take care of this. This is actually less stress in my life. Okay, a second criteria for getting rid of items, once you've kind of scaled down from the multiples, is look at items that haven't been used in, say, two years. Normally, I'd say one, but 2020 wasn't a typical year. So let's say two years. Barring, again, wedding clothing, very special items, or maybe something super expensive that is specifically for, say, maybe you take a hiking or camping trip and you have camping gear that you use, don't get rid of that. But stuff that you haven't really used in two years, that could be clothing, shoes, bags, handbags, coats maybe people outgrew. If it hasn't been used, donate or even toss it or recycle it if it's not being used because it's broken. A good way to deal with this, if you're struggling with getting rid of something and you haven't used it, but it's not quite that heirloom quality, just think, if I'm not getting rid of it now, when am I going to get rid of it? If now isn't the time to get rid of it, when would be the time to get rid of it? And if you can answer that question, like, oh, I really want my daughter to be able to grow into this stuff in a year. Okay, fine. But you have to store it and you have to remember that it's there. So you might have to store it in her bedroom and that might not be feasible. So just really try and be intentional of if you're not getting rid of it now and you're hanging on to it and it's not heirloom, when is the perfect time to get rid of it? A lot of times I say to myself, Bretta, 
like, are you going to be buried with this? <laughs> are we Egyptians? Are we just going to be buried with all of our worldly belongings? And that kind of makes me giggle. But the next thing I ask myself, well, when are you going to get rid of it? Are you going to get buried in it? No. Okay, well, goodbye. <laughs> and you can always take a picture of something if you like it. Same thing for items. If somebody has gifted it to you, that's kind of hard for me because I don't want to be insulting even privately. But I read somewhere and I wish I remember who I could give the credit to. And I'm sorry. Normally when people give you gifts, they're doing it to make you happy. And if it's not making you happy, you're not really embracing the point of the gift. Honestly, if I gave somebody a candle and they threw it out, I wouldn't feel bad. Or if they were gifted it, I really wouldn't care. You know, it's like, let it bring joy to somebody. I hope it brought joy to them momentarily, or at least they felt cared for when I gave it to them. Try to keep that in mind, that that person didn't mean to saddle you with something that you're going to carry forth into your next five households that you don't necessarily want. Okay, so you've got a couple rules here or habits that you have here to help you put items into a donation box. So let's move on to the second part of this. And the second part of this is paying attention to the habits that you have taking in things to the house. So basically your intake habits. So the second part of this, the intake habits, the, the way that you bring items into your home. My friend Hillary's husband, John, brought this rule to my attention a long time ago, and it has really served me from living in tiny studio apartments to a house like I have now. He said, when you shop, follow this rule. As often as you take something in, take out. So if you buy a new item, an old item of the same type or similar type, if you can, or just any older item, goes into the trash recycling or the donate bag or bin. And that's a really good rule because that makes you realize and accept you have a finite amount of space. You have a finite amount of space that you're paying rent on, that you're paying a mortgage on, that you are having to maintain, having to clean, having to care for. You're filling that space with stuff and something's got to give. Stuff has to come out, right? So anytime you try to bring something in that's not disposable, not perishable, won't be consumed, think about removing something else from your home. So if you get a new TV, donate the old one. Don't be the house that has a TV in every single room. You really don't need that. Just donate it. Get rid of it. Give it away. Put it on Facebook Marketplace. So we'll get to a couple ways that you can get rid of stuff and even make money off of it. So... We'll get to that, but try and follow that rule. If you get something new, get rid of the old thing. Another habit you can keep, and this is going to be kind of cringy <laughs> to people, myself included, I'll admit it, is to keep a visible public record of all the new things you buy and how much it costs for one month. And yes, this will be a, don't go anywhere, this is going to be a pain point for some of us. And you can do this on a whiteboard or a sheet of paper displayed in a public place such as your kitchen, laundry room, etc. So all of your family can see it. Because we do, we get into the habit of private spending or blind spending. When we see something cool, we want it. We get it. We don't want to think about it. So this might feel like, you know, uh-oh. <laughs> but this alone might deter you from some of these impulse buys. And I'm right there with you. I mean, I look at, sometimes I look at my Amazon list and I'm like, girl, what? <laughs> and the returns woman at the UPS store is very familiar with me because I'm like, no, -uh, you're taking that back. That, no, no, I have to self 
mom myself a little bit sometimes with my purchases. So keeping a visible public record of all the new things that you buy and how much they cost might really let you sit with your spending habits and you might need to make some changes. And you know what? If you don't, that's great. Intake really isn't your problem. It might just be the problem of hanging on to things. But if that is, that alone might deter you from your impulse buys. And for now, if you do a lot of shopping online or you go into a store quite a bit as kind of your regular routine, you can always favorite something online and buy it in a month or take a picture of it and buy it in a month. Doing this, if you have kids, this will also show children in your family, like, look, you got three new things this month already. Look how much that we've spent on you getting clothes or new toys or games or whatever it is that they want. Enjoy the things that you have right now. So it's good for everybody to just be very aware of where your money goes. Because when we have disposable income, we can kind of forget that. The third thing that you can do, kind of piggybacking off of that, is you can keep a list of the things that you need or want. And you can do this maybe in your notes on your phone or however you usually keep your grocery list. Keep a list of things you need or want and use this as your buying guide the next time you're in a store or you're browsing online. So you get what you need and what you want specifically that you've planned for instead of letting yourself be influenced by what the store offers and suggests or what might pop up in your social feed or on your browser when you're kind of looking around online, you see ads for things that it's like, ooh, shiny. When you refer back to your list, oh, that's a cute dress, but really what I have on my list right now are I need a couple shirts for work. So when you have an idea in mind of what's on your buy list versus being bombarded by these visual cues to spend money, that's going to help you be more disciplined in how you spend your money and what you buy. Also, if you have this buy list, you might send out posts on social or text to friends and family saying, hey, I'm in the market for one of these, or hey, I'm looking for blah. I've actually done clothing and home swaps before where friends list items they no longer want or need, and we swap for items that we do want or need. So say you're in the market for an air fryer right now, and you have a Keurig that has been sitting on your counter that you don't really use because you don't like the Keurig. Maybe somebody could use the Keurig and maybe either buy it off of you, and you can put the money toward an air fryer, or might have bought an air fryer and saying, eh, I'm not really into this, and y'all could swap. So just an example of some of the more creative ways that you can get your buying wants met without the impulse buying, without the craziness, and maybe with less money. The last thing that you might examine as far as a buying or an intake habit is consider selling or donating items first on Facebook Marketplace or if your neighborhood allows it, doing a yard sale. If they're higher value, such as a treadmill or a bread making machine that you use during quarantine and haven't touched since, there's nothing wrong with selling used items and it's very eco-friendly to buy used items. So you can consider browsing these places for what's on your buy list or thrifting or going to Goodwill etc. rather than buying anything brand new. So those things can save you some money as well as help you be way more intentional about what you're bringing into your home and scale back on that crazy loop of lots of stuff in, nothing out. So the last part of this, you've got your donation bins going and got these new habits in place for spending and buying. Once your donation bins are full, take them out, put them in your car, drive them to the Goodwill or the donation center. And yes, you might drive around with those things in your car for (laughs) a 
couple weeks, as we all do. Try not to. Try to put it on your calendar. Try to say, okay, for me, my donation day is tomorrow after my podcast goes live. I'm going to do my marketing and I'm going to drop off a bunch of things at a donation center. So try to put it on your calendar. Try to put it on your schedule. I know it's tough, but that's going to be something that you'll want to do. That way you're not driving around with them forever. Take them out and then start over. And if you keep following that rule, you will eventually start downsizing and simplifying your items pretty regularly. I keep a donate bin in my closet at all times because just when trying things on or seasons change, I'm like, eh, I'm done with this. I don't like it anymore. Oh, it fits weird. My body shape is changing. I'm not going to wear this. It's just not working for me. I don't feel good in it. Why do I even have this? And I throw it into the donation bin <laughs> if it's clean. I put clean stuff in there. But yeah, so it's, it's very, very helpful to have a donation bin in your closet or your laundry room. Those places where things tend to accumulate that we don't necessarily want, but if there's not a bin there to put it in, we just won't. We'll just hang it back up, right? Or we'll put it back in the drawer. So if you have that donation system built in to your life and your lifestyle and your home, you're eventually going to be simplifying everything. Another thing that might incentivize you to minimize and scale down is to plan to use the empty space that you have for something else like maybe yoga or meditation, a display for plants, maybe an office or a craft area, maybe a little reading nook. That incentive can make you look forward to minimizing and getting rid of stuff. And that will make your home more functional and you'll be able to use the space that you pay for and that you care for and that you maintain for living in, not just for storing things. I hope you found this podcast helpful. If you have, go ahead and give it a five-star review and subscribe. I would greatly appreciate it. For more content, including my email list and a free coaching quiz, visit BerettaFleur.com. You can also follow me on social media on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Beretta Fleur.